Mm, yeah, wealth attraction research. Borrow money tax. Wealth attraction research. Borrow money tax. What's going on here? Hey, you're listening to Wealth Attraction Research. Spreaker Social Podcasting and Call-In Social Podcasting presented for World Reading Club in association with Equilibrium. This edition's reading focus comes to us from the Little Book of Economics and the section titled Borrow Now, Tax Later, Borrowing and Debt, and also from How Money Works. The section is The Money Market. This is uh, today's installment, which normally would be read and reviewed and commented on with Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith, but the chapter 11 is broken up into many different parts, and each of the different parts of chapter 11 in that book are very long. Um, Even if I were to be chattering so much otherwise with commentary and things like that, chapter 11 would probably take me a good 45 minutes to an hour to get through straight. But here we are. This this is going to be very short, so I can cover this. Um, The language is modern and a little bit less deciphering for me to do, but building off of Adam Smith's work, I'm able to understand these a lot better. So here we go. This is first from... The Little Book of Economics, Borrow Now, Tax Later, Borrowing and Debt. And in context, the focus is economic policy. The key thinker is David Ricardo, 1772 to 1823. Um, Before his time, we have, uh, well, that doesn't look like before his time. Well, maybe a little bit. It says before. Britain introduces income tax during war with revolutionary France. Public debt approaches 250% of national income. After that, 1945, following World War II, government spending, taxation, and borrowing rise in developed economies to meet new welfare commitments. 1974, U.S. economist Robert Barrow revives the idea of Ricardian equivalence, which says that people spend in the same way regardless of whether their government taxes or borrows. And in 2011, the European debt crisis intensifies, sparking debate about the limits of taxation and public borrowing. As usual, in this little book of economics, we have a nice flow chart, which um, leads always to part of the subtitle, Borrowing and Debt. So we have the first, it says, should government spending be financed by borrowing or ta- taxation? So to the left, we have, if the government borrows now, then it flows to people will know that they will pay more tax later to repay the debt. 
end it leads to it makes no difference whether the government chooses to tax now or borrow now or tax chooses to tax now or borrow now tax later so same question right should government spending be financed by borrowing or taxation it flows to if the government increases taxes now people will have to pay more tax and again it makes no difference whether the government chooses to tax now or borrow now tax later it doesn't matter let's say continuing here we have hmm, there's the same question right should government spending be financed by borrowing or taxation this question was first addressed in detail by british economist david ricardo during britain's expansive or expensive napoleonic wars against france 1799 to 1815. in his 1817 book principles of political economy and taxation Ricardo argued that the method of financing should make no difference. Taxpayers ought to realize that government borrowing today will lead to more taxation in the future. In either case, they will be taxed. So, they should set aside savings that are equivalent to the amount they would have been taxed today in order to meet that eventuality. I am going to pause here for a moment to remind you of something. What's rule number 1 about taxes? It's your money. not the government's so uh, one little well one little known fact that i'm going to keep hammering over and over again is this you may not realize this but it's true the tax laws are written to reduce your taxes not to increase them this is coming from tax free wealth how to build massive wealth by permanently lowering taxes tom neal right cpa listen to this in the united states For example, there are over 5,800 pages of tax law. Only about 30 pages are devoted to raising taxes. One line, section 61A says, except as otherwise provided in this subtitle, gross income means all income from whatever source derived. There are then several pages of tax rates and a few other miscellaneous tables. The remaining 5770 pages are devoted entirely to reducing your taxes. In other words, 0.5% of the tax code is devoted to raising taxes and the remaining 99.5% exists solely for the purpose of saving you money. Rule number 2, the tax law is written primarily to reduce your taxes. Rule number 1, it's your money not the government's. So, let's continue. Just a little reminder, okay? So as they said right so uh they will be taxed anyway so they should set aside savings that are equivalent to amount they would have been taxed today in order to meet that eventuality Ricardo suggested that people understand a government's budget constraints and continue to spend in the same way regardless of its decision to tax or borrow because they know these will ultimately cost them the same This idea became known as Ricardian equivalence Imagine a family with a gambling father who resorts to taking money from his sons. The father tells his sons that he will let them keep their money this month because he has borrowed from his friend Alex. The happy-go-lucky younger son Tom spends his extra cash. The wise older son James realizes that next month Alex's loan will have to be repaid with interest, at which point his father will probably ask him for money. James hides away today's extra cash. knowing he will have to give it to his father in a month. James has recognized that his overall wealth 
hasn't changed, so he has no reason to alter his spending today. Ricardo was theorizing and did not suggest that Ricardian equivalents would ever be apparent in the real world. He believed that ordinary citizens suffer from the same fiscal illusion as Tom in our example and will spend the money on hand. However, some modern economists argue that citizens suffer no such illusions. Really, they suffer no such illusions. Hey, what's up, Tony? Welcome back, man. How you doing? And, uh, wow. Uh, hello, uh, Dio, Sudoku, Joshua Blattman, Reverend Jen Pennington, Cecilia Grace, Michael J., Stella, Bella Love, uh, Karen Oliver, John X, Les Rain, Sharon, welcome guys, whether you passed through or passing through or sitting for a spell, welcome. This is the first part of uh, the second reading of today for Wealth Attraction Research. All right, let's take a look. What do we got here? The modern debate. The idea re-emerged in an article by U.S. economist Robert Barrow, 1944. Uh, in well, he was born 1944, apparently still alive. In 1974, the modern analysis has focused on examining the conditions under which people spend regardless of taxation or borrowing. One assumption is that people are rational decision makers and have perfect foresight. <laughs> what? <laughs> One assumption is that people are rational decision makers and have perfect foresight. You gotta be kidding me. Did you even write that? They know that spending now means taxes later. However, this is unlikely to be the case. You know, the first thing assumption that people are rational decision makers and have perfect foresight this is completely apparent to me that that is not true and the fact that there are a few things that i think are insane that people do one is going to casinos two is playing the lotto three are uh, going to strip clubs um and then there's all kinds of other things that fall into those categories i can't remember which there's so many insane things that i think that people do that just baffle my mind that I can't understand. But that's just me. I might have been hit on the head as a kid, and maybe everybody else thinks those things are cool, but I just, they make zero sense to me. None whatsoever. <laughs> People are rational decision makers. <laughs> All right, let me stop uh, and continue, though, on this. Borrowing and lending must also take place at identical interest rates without transaction costs. Hmm. All right, so one assumption is that people are rational decision makers and have perfect foresight. They know that spending now means taxes later. However, this is unlikely to be the case. Borrowing and lending must also take place at identical interest rates without transaction costs. A further problem is that human life is finite. If people are self-interested, they are unlikely to care about taxes that will be imposed after they die. But Barrow suggested that parents care about their children and often leave inheritances, partly so that their children can pay any tax liabilities that arise after the parents' deaths. In this way, individuals factor into their decision-making the impact of taxes that they expect to be imposed even after they die. Hmm. Government spending. 
Ricardian equivalence, which is sometimes known as debt neutrality, is a hot topic today because of the high spending. Remember today, we're talking about this book is 2020 of this edition of it. Um, so pretty close, right? Three years. Ricardian equivalence, which is sometimes known as debt neutrality, is a hot topic today because of the high spending, borrowing, and taxation of modern governments. Ricardo's insight has been used by new classical economists to argue against Keynesian policies, government spending to increase demand and drive growth. Right. Hmm. They claim that if people know that a government is spending money to lift an economy out of depression, their rational expectations will ensure they anticipate greater taxes in the future. And so they will not blindly respond to the increased amount of money in the system now. However, the practical evidence for or against is inconclusive. Of course it is. Of course it is. Right. And finally, wrapping this up, there's a focus on here called New Classical Macroeconomics. Focusing on, uh, of course, David Ricardo again. And, well, actually, this is Robert Barrow. Let's see. New Classical Macroeconomics. U.S. economists Robert Barrow, Robert Lucas, and Thomas Sargent formed the School of New Classical Macroeconomics in the early 1970s. Its key tenets are the assumption of rational expectations and market clearing, the idea that prices will spontaneously adjust to a new position of equilibrium, New classical theorists claim that this applies in the labor market. Wage levels are set through the mutual adjustment of supply, number of people seeking work, and demand, number of people needed. Under this view, everyone who wants to work can if they accept the going wage. Therefore, all unemployment is voluntary. Wow. What a novel idea. Is all unemployment voluntary? Let's see. New classical theorists claim that this applies in the labor market. Wage levels are set through the mutual adjustment of supply, the number of people seeking work, so the supply of employees, right? And demand, the number of people needed, the, the companies hiring, right? Under this view, everyone who wants to work can if they accept the going wage. Therefore, all unemployment is voluntary. This is hilarious. Rational expectations claims that people look to the future as well as the past when making decisions so that they cannot be fooled by a government when it chooses to borrow or tax. All right. Borrow now, tax later. Borrowing in debt. This is, focus was economic policy and macroeconomics. It's an interesting thing to think about, though. All right. That's done for this one here. The next reading, oh, my gosh. It's going to have to be separate still from Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith because Chapter 11 is broken into very long sections. Um, but next, and this one is going to be called The Economy is a Yo-Yo, Boom and Bust. Ooh, cycles. All right. And now, finally, finishing off and moving on to uh, the uh, How Money Works. And this is so exciting. It's called the money market. I hope you understand my facetiousness. This book is one of the most boring of the ones that I have to read. 
I don't know why, even though it's got lots of pretty pictures. Um, I And lots of colors too, right? It's actually, the full name of the book is How Money Works, The Facts Visually Explained. Um, but I am, I'm under impressed by it, but it does have good information. It's just that it's, I don't know. It's okay. Let's take a look. Let's get, let's get, let's get this done. All right, what time, what's, the, what's our time here? Good, 16 minutes. So we're under, we'll be done in under 30 minutes, right? Because it shouldn't take that long. The money market. Banks and companies use the money market to buy and sell financial assets that have short maturity dates and that are easily and quick or, or that and that are easy and quick to exchange. So once again, banks and companies use the money market to buy and sell financial assets that have short maturity dates and that are easy and quick to exchange. How it works. The money market exists to provide the loans that financial institutions and governments need to carry out their day-to-day -day operations. For instance, banks may sometimes need to borrow in the short term to fulfill their obligations to their customers and they use the money market to do so. For example, most deposit accounts have a relatively short notice period and allow customers access to their money either immediately or within a few days or weeks. Because of this short notice period, banks cannot make long-term commitments with all of the money they hold on deposit. They need to ensure that a proportion of it is liquid, easily accessible, in market terms. Otherwise, if a large number of customers wish to withdraw their money at the same time, there may be a shortfall between the money the bank has lent and the cash deposits it needs to return to savers. Banks may also find that they have greater demand for mortgages or loans than they do for savings accounts at certain times. This creates a mismatch between the money they have available and the money they have loaned out. So the bank will need to borrow in order to be able to fulfill the demand for loans. Wow. This is just, oh my gosh, this is so ridiculous. Who uses the money market? The primary function of the money market is for banks and other investors with liquid assets to gain a return on their cash or loans. They provide borrowers, such as other banks, brokerages, and hedge funds with quick access to short-term funding. The money market is dominated by professional investors. Although retail investors with more than $50,000 can also invest. Smaller deposits can be invested via money market funds. Banks and companies use the financial instruments traded on the money market for different reasons, and they carry different risks. Wow. Money, commercial paper, treasury bills, bank deposits. Oh gosh, this is, this, see, I don't know, these pictures are supposed to be helpful, they're making my head hurt. <clears throat> what the hell? All right, we got, what's at the top here? We got, so we got the money market. And in the money market, we got something flowing out here. Okay, so for quick access to short-term money, companies. When companies need to raise money to cover their payroll or running costs, they may issue commercial paper 
short-term unsecured loans for what? Wait, when they need to raise money to cover their payroll running costs, they may issue commercial paper short-term unsecured loans for $100,000 or more that mature within one to nine months. So, okay, so from this company is flowing into this freaking money market. It's a commercial paper, all right? And then, uh, what? The money's only flowing out the commercial paper, but money is flowing out and then back into the company, right? Because that's where it means it matures within one in nine months, all right? Now we got uh, number two, banks. If demand for long-term loans and mortgages is not covered by deposits from savings accounts, banks may then issue certificates of deposit with a set interest rate and fixed term maturity of up to five years. This is such shady swindling. So you got the money coming out of the bank as a certificate of deposit, and then, of course, money coming in later with a fixed term maturity of up to five years. Right, so maturity means when it ends, right? Gosh, this is, this is such shite shit. All right, what do we got next? Okay, companies again. Um, we got com- a company that has a cash surplus may park money for a time in short-term debt-based financial instruments such as treasury bills and commercial paper, certificates of deposit, or bank deposits. So... This company is putting their money into the money market as a financial instrument. And that's where some of this unemployment is because they have a surplus. So they're lending it. Oh, God. I mean, this makes sense, though. What was happening, it's just... Because, you know, also, um, that's one of the ways that things get traded and sold, like back in the day, right? Somebody has more of something and people have less... And so, hey, I got more of this. You want some for now? But I'll, I'll give it to you. But, you know, you're going to owe me a little bit more for the risk I'm taking later. I would, the same company uh, is just putting money out. What the hell? Treasury bills. All right. Okay. Then we have investors. Individuals seeking to invest large sum of money at relatively low risk may invest in financial instruments. Sums of less than $50,000 can be invested in money market funds. So you got these investors um, pouring money into there, and then they have financial instruments going in and out. And these are for short-term, low-risk investments and money markets. Right, I'm gonna have to, this is going to be something I have to study later. This is just so ridiculous, man. This, see, that's another thing. Oh, oh, on my list, right? Uh, gambling, strip clubs, lottery, um, those things that don't make any sense. Also, credit cards are insane. And you know how many people will try to tell me that, um, oh, get a credit card. It builds your credit and do this and this and that. It's like, but there are other ways, by the way. Um, but that's another story for another day. What is traded on the money market? Let's take a look. The least risk. So the one with the least amount of risk is so-called treasury bills. They're short-term government securities that mature within three months to one year of issue. Also known as T-bills, they are acquired at a discount on their face or par value, which is then paid in full on maturity. 
or maturity, T-bills are considered effectively risk-free. Hmm. So, yeah, they are acquired at a discount on their base or par value, which is then paid in full on maturity. T-bills are considered effectively risk-free. Hmm. Right, we got medium risk. We have two things in the medium risk category. The first one is certificates of deposit, which are fixed sum, fixed term saving certificates issued with a set interest rate by banks. Rates depend on length of maturity, with longer terms getting better rates. The main risks are being locked in to low interest rates if rates rise and early withdrawal penalties. Hmm. Hey, North, what's up? Uh, let's see. Fixed rate saving certificates issued with a set interest rate by banks. Rates depend on length of maturity with longer terms getting better rates. The main risks are being locked into low interest rates if rates rise. Huh. Right. Because if you're locked into a low interest rate and then the rates rise, well, that's not a risk. That just means that you, you're you not getting as much. That's greed. What the hell are they talking about? Let me just see if I'm understanding this properly. Fixed term saving certificates issued with a set interest rate by banks. Right, it's a saving certificate. So you, it's a fixed rate, interest rate. Right, so... You're getting a fixed rate. Rates depend on length of maturity with longer terms getting better rates. Right? The main risks are being locked into low interest rates if rates rise and early withdrawal penalties. That's just, okay. You know, you, you, you lock in an interest rate and then the risk is that there's higher interest rates later. So I might not get as much money on interest. I mean, savers are losers anyway, as, the, as Robert Kiyosaki says, right? All right, bank deposits is the next one in this medium risk. Money deposited in banks, often for a fixed term. Interest rates vary based on the amount deposited and on deposit liquidity. Risk depends on bank creditworthiness and whether it is insured by the FDIC. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, do, do, does anybody nowadays bank with banks that are not insured by the FDIC, even though the number is like something like only $250,000 if you had, you know, a million dollars in there, you're kind of screwed. All right. And the final high risk um, thing that's traded on the money market is called commercial paper, which is short term unsecured debt issued by a company. Only companies with good credit ratings issue commercial paper because investors are reluctant to buy the debt of financially compromised companies. They tend to be issued by highly rated banks and are traded in a similar way to securities. Asset values are in the thousands or millions of dollars. That was pretty straightforward. All right. Finally, need to know. And then we're done. What, is, what time are we at here? Oh, good. 27 minutes. This is beautiful. Money market funds. Collectives. So money market funds are collectives that offer baskets of financial instruments to individual investors, allowing them to invest in the money market with a sum of less than $50,000. Hmm. Money market funds. 
offer baskets of financial instruments. So what were the, we just did financial instruments before, right? Financial instruments are things like, um, yeah, shares, derivatives, options and futures, bonds, right? Those things are financial instruments, right? And finally, finally, federal funds rate is what we need to know. The rate at which financial institutions borrow and lend to each other overnight. It is a very influential interest rate in the U.S. economy. If the rate goes up, so does the cost of borrowing. Right, of course, right? You borrow, you have high interest. But also, people people want interest rates to be high when they're saving and low when they're borrowing. Right? But that's, I mean, wishful thinking. Don't borrow and save at the same time. Right? Borrow low, borrow with low interest rates. Save at high interest rates. Okay. That's it. I'm glad this is done. I'm going to have to look at this more on my own. The money market, because this is... Really, uh, some boring stuff for the most part. It gets more fascinating when you look at it in bulk with everything else. But oh my god, man, I can't believe I read that last. But it's done. So that was. Uh, so I also did the uh, Adam Smith's Wealth of Nations, um, part two of chapter eleven earlier in a separate separate reading. So that's available there, and. Um, mm, so I'm going to take another little break. It's, uh, it's 1,600 hours and 50 minutes on the east coast of the United States here in Richmond, Virginia. And I'm going to read something a little bit more exciting, which is Babylon's Banksters, the alchemy of deep physics, high finance, and ancient religion, which goes way deep into the origins of money and a little bit of conspiracy theories, fun stuff. So get ready for that. You've been listening to Wealth Attraction Research, WAR. Borrow money tax, read from uh, the little book of economics and uh, how money works, presented by Hakeem Ali Bokas Alexander on Spreaker, Social Podcasting, Wisdom, Social Audio Inc., and Call In Social Podcasting, presented for World Reading Club in association with ExercisingYourMind.com and Unique Equilibrium. All right, Colin, I forgot to put some stuff over here in the, uh, in my links here. So one link I'm going to put is for the research.exercisingyourmind link. That's got to be one, right? Oh, look, I can also put the science of getting rich link in here. I mean, no, Babylon's Banksters. Where's the link for that? I don't have that in here. It's going to put, oh, there goes research that exercise your mind. Boom. Go ahead. And the next one I want to put in here is uh, Babylon's Banksters, even though I didn't read any of those over here on column. And then, oh, I might as well put the science of getting rich since I have that link here too, right? Might as well. And, oh. Then, I'm also going to get the Wisdom Talk link that I just did, um, so that, this is all SEO, guys, so that I have that over here, too, because I'm a greedy capitalist, and I want all eyes and attention 
on me because I'm out of my fucking mind. Okay, what's up, gentlemen? Oh, what my head? How you guys doing? Um, thanks for stopping by and chilling. I'm closing this down because I got to take a break and eat another snack. And then Babylon's Bankster should be fun. That's always a good book. So, you guys, if nothing else, it's not going to be any of this as boring as uh, <laughs> as reading the little book of economics and how money works. So I'll catch you later, Tony.